Know what to eat, but find yourself not eating it. Perhaps you've been on diets and off again, and just wonder why you can't stick to them. The Eating For You podcast, hosted by me, Sally Ann Pisk, will show you what's been missing so you can enjoy a healthier way of eating that lasts. Hi, Sally Ann back with you, and I have Angela with me again today, and we're going to be doing a bit of a joint episode today around World Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis Day, which is May 20th each year. And we're going to be looking at both the movement and food side of supporting our bodies when we have these conditions. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Angela. Oh, hello, Sally Ann. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, so Angela, let's just talk about, you know, a little bit about these conditions. So people may have heard about some autoimmune conditions like lupus, fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis and rheumatoid arthritis. But what does it mean? What's happening in the body with these conditions? There are quite a few different um, conditions that are considered autoimmune or autoinflammatory, and that is a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> but essentially, it's, they are conditions where the body's own immune system seems to attack its own healthy tissues, and it results in a number of symptoms um, which are uncomfortable, you know, such as joint pain, uh, stiffness in the joints as well, swelling, and things that in general create a lot of pain, discomfort, and start to limit a person's ability to actually move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and this is what I love about this annual day because it really is about explaining what's going on because it's not only the individual that has these conditions, it's their family and friends as well understanding what this person is actually going through in terms of their day-to-day life and looking at what lifestyle choices and supports there are to enjoy life and I'm interested, Angela is going to be talking about that challenge of being in pain, but doing exercise that's actually going to reduce that pain. So we'll be looking at that as well as food, as I mentioned earlier. Absolutely. And that is something that's not necessarily an older person's condition. I know a lot of young people that have been impacted in one way or another with an autoimmune illness as well. And it is a type of illness that often leads to other things, such as being overweight, having injuries, mentally not feeling the best either, things that, you know, it tends to bring on other things as well and quite often people don't actually even realize it is an auto autoimmune illness that's actually leading to other issues that they have yeah and that's not uncommon once we start understanding the body and and obviously it's very important that you have a good medical and health team around you if you have these conditions as well so today as i said we're going to be focusing more on the type of movement that is going to be a benefit and also some of the things we can look at when it comes to what we're eating. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. So Angela, what's the challenge for people that you work with that have the autoimmune conditions and perhaps this autoinflammatory arthritis such as rheumatoid arthritis? The key issue is the discomfort that movement brings on and the pain and that tends to really discourage people from wanting to do anything physical which then leads to other issues down the track. The guidelines for physical exercise for people with autoimmune illnesses and diseases is to actually do 150 minutes a week which is the same of, of moderate activity which is the same guideline that we have for healthy people as well but it is significantly much harder for people to actually reach that goal. The challenge is that even things such as holding weights in your hand can actually be really uncomfortable so resistance training is difficult because just it really hurts the joints it can hurt the wrists for people to do that as well Uh, fatigue is a big issue in that 
trying to do something for a period of time without getting too tired is really hard. Moving fast becomes very problematic because of the fact that the joints are just um, not wanting to cooperate. The body just won't move in the way that you want it to do. And yet doctors are telling you that unless you actually get some movement, the conditions are going to be even worse down the track unless you do start to get a bit more of that blood pumping through your body. Yeah, and we were talking before we started recording about the importance of getting that blood flow going. So what are the benefits of that blood flow? Okay, both through our lymph system and then into the, through our blood system, we get white blood cells circulating through the body. And the role of the white blood cells is to actually try to curb disease in its tracks, try to actually repair uh, cells within the body as well. And when we actually exercise, because we're getting much more blood flow through the body, we're actually getting these white blood cells floating faster through the body. And they also tend to flow for about a few hours after exercise through the body as well. And that is where the benefits of actually curbing a lot of the um, the flow on effects of autoimmune disease actually come into play. So the more that we can actually do exercise, the less we're going to be actually feeling those symptoms in the longer term. I mean, obviously every, everyone's illness is quite different. So I don't want to make a general statement with that as well but it is you know as much as medication or diet exercise is just as important in making sure that we're actually giving ourselves the best chance of trying to keep the illnesses at bay yeah so what is the type of exercise that is recommended for people who have autoimmune diseases or rheumatoid type arthritis It is very much up to the individual, but a few um, recommendations that make a lot of sense to make sure that you're always starting quite gently with any movement you do, uh, whether that is uh, something such as, you know, swimming, walking, doing some gentle um, strength work as well. It really is up to the individual, you know, and depending how serious the conditions are, what is recommended is not to go too hard too soon because you're really trying to balance not only the pain that you're feeling at this point when you're actually exercising, but what it's going to feel like afterwards as as well. I often uh, tell people, look, an element of of pain or discomfort is inevitable in order to do some movement. And if you're feeling it for perhaps an hour or two afterwards, you know, to an extent you have to make the call as to whether you think that's tolerable enough for you to actually do it. If you come away from this exercise and the next day your body's still in pain as a result of that, then you know that you've really pushed it too too far. And so next time you've really got to curb it right back and be less extreme with it. Try not to push it too far and really feel as if you're an absolute novice at it in that you're starting very, very gently and just slowly building up and just really gauging how your body's responding after the exercise. Yeah, so it's more about duration of movement rather than intensity. Would that be right in terms of what you're saying? Like you don't want to go too intense because then you're going to have to be, you won't That's be able right. to do as much the next day. That's right. The pain will probably be worse the next day as well. So getting into a routine where you're actually fairly you know, consistent. That's where having you know, a certain routine or a you know, special type of exercise that you're doing all the time, whether say it's something like an aquarobics class or a, um, a walk in an area which is quite controlled in that you're not really finding that suddenly you're going to go hiking and find that you've got a massive hill in front of you and there's no other way of getting around it. Just really starting to build a familiarity around your exercise routine and seeing how your body responds to it. Hopefully what will happen is over time that you find that you do start to see improvement and, and less pain when you're actually doing it and that's how you can start to build the intensity of it. So it really means that you're really starting with ground zero in many ways in terms of really starting to see what works for you and then building from there rather than saying, well, I used to do tennis, therefore I'm just going to really try to push through and you know do competition tennis or something which ha- has an element of unpredictability and leave you suffering the next day. 
Yes, so it is really getting, as you said, being planned around the exercise and finding out what works for you. I was wondering, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Pilates and kind of learning that connection with the body and also the breathing. So do, do the breathing techniques and more of that alignment with the body in such with yoga or tai chi pilates does that help with the pain management and also the prevention of injury it does because those types of exercises also are very stress relieving as well so what you're trying to do is actually control the amount of stress that you're putting your body through look even exercises adds a degree of stress to the body and we do need some stress in in our bodies as well because that's also very important uh, for making sure that our you know the right hormones you know um, are working when we need them to do that but you do really want to be aware that anything that creates excessive stress in the body will actually manifest itself in discomfort when you have that type of illness as well so there is really no shortcut to it other than just to say look don't go out there and try to do anything extreme start with five minutes and then build up on it and just start to see how your body tolerates it and how much you're prepared to feel discomfort in order to get it done because the benefits in other ways are there so it is really important to try and actually find a pathway through it to do exercise in a way that works for you yeah and the good news and as challenging as living with pain is is that the more you know of a routine we get with this supportive exercise that you've been mentioning then the the goal is for that pain to reduce over time that's right yes yeah and and pain is a very individual thing as well and i have to admit i never understood what pain was until one time i hurt my lower back and mm. I really couldn't move for about three yeah. days. And I thought, oops, now I know what pain is really about. And uh, yeah, and it is difficult, but mm-hmm. moving is actually going to help. Absolutely. Uh, when we have these chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. My mum mm. um, suffers from rheumatoid arthritis and she was a person who was you know, fairly active uh, leading up to it as well. And she has a regular routine where she goes to, to her local community centre and they have a seniors fitness class that she attends. And she finds that weeks when she misses that, she feels it more than when she actually, you know, so she feels yeah. much better for doing the class and really misses it in weeks when yeah. she doesn't do it as well. Yeah. So even that gentle movement that she goes through, she yep. says she can't do all the exercises, but she just follows as best as she can. She knows her body well enough now yeah. to know when not to push it. And that really helps her to manage the condition. Yeah, and that's probably a really good point in terms of the group classes and especially if they're for people similar to yourself because Mm. it's that sense of community as well that you're not on your own, you're not the only one struggling to perhaps do things that you did quite easily Mm -hmm. a few years ago. And so I love that concept of the group classes for people Mm-hmm. with That's arthritis right. and osteoporosis and all of the chronic conditions that mm-hmm. you know come perhaps with yeah. age but as you mentioned can occur can occur to, at any age at any age at especially any age the autoimmune well. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you know most people have something these days so you're never alone in in, in having to modify um to if you if you're in a, in a, in a public exercise environment as well. There are also a lot of online classes now as well. Uh, that are available through various associations and and even you know online 
instructors that you know really tailor for people with this as well so it really is a matter of just you know doing a bit of research and just trying a few things and just see how you go with it but again the main thing is to really start gently really listen to your body as you're doing the exercise being aware of how your body's responding to the exercise say in the few hours afterwards but also looking at yourself the next day and seeing whether you've come out of this better or worse yeah you know, in terms of you know knowing how to adjust your intensity for next time yeah so Angela, what we might do now is just have a bit of a chat mm-hmm. about, you know, some of the food things that are, that are coming up, especially the anti-inflammatory foods, um, because I like to just remind people that feeding our bodies well is not that complicated. And uh, obviously with the eating for you approach, we take a mindfulness approach, but it's really getting back to basics and, you know, that whole gut mind connection as well. Absolutely. I mean, so much of the processed food these days is what triggers many autoimmune conditions. Um, so going back to, I, uh, I guess, a simpler way of eating is what probably one of the best things that people can yeah. do for their, their health. Yeah, and just looking at, you know, my list here, you know, in terms of starting with the things that we do need to limit. And obviously from a mindfulness point of view, I don't necessarily say about good and bad foods or what Mm. have you, but Angela is definitely correct in terms of, you know, the sweetened beverages like soft drinks and sodas and fruit juices and iced teas, they can trigger these reactions and symptoms that you get with autoimmune and auto-inflammatory conditions. Even the refined carbohydrates like white bread can be yes. an issue for some mm-hmm. people as well. Fried foods, you know, especially if it's more the saturated fats that are being used. High fat meats, um, processed mm. meats, bacon, sausages, hot dogs, and then, you know, some of the full fat dairy such as creams which are really high in the saturated fats so we need to take care with that and alcohol as well and it's a stress on the body it's a toxin uh, if we have too much of the alcohol for the liver to process so they're the things that won't probably come as a surprise to anyone listening i think in terms of the things that we have to watch out for because i you know i've had ladies say to me you know i just had a small amount of these sugary foods and it flared up my arthritis it flared up my MS Mm. symptoms so I do know that it does have an impact um, in this place so it it changes our concept of eating really about what's going to nourish us and what's going to reduce the symptoms Mm -hmm. that's so true isn't it the amount of inflammation in our bodies now is apparently the highest it's ever been and it is directly linked I mean I I know I will say that exercise or lack of is a factor but much more than that it's the amount of you know processed you know know, those those simple carbohydrates (laughs) in our foods the saturated fats they're all the things that are leading to inflammation in our body and sadly for many people that is what's leading on to having a lot of these autoimmune illnesses as well yeah and i think just getting back to the basics you know it really is about having the whole foods you know Mm. the colored fruits and vegetables we don't have to cut out all carbohydrates our whole grains even two or three serves a day they have beneficial you know fibers Mm. for our gut bacteria and you know looking at uh, I think of all the research that I love the most is looking at the traditional Mediterranean way of eating because it wasn't just about one food it was about Mm -hmm. the combination and it is about the combination of foods and looking towards the olive oil and the fruits and nuts and avocados that have the monounsaturated oils and then looking at you know food sources of oils you know for 
the polyunsaturated omega-3 fatty acids, you know, salmon, sardines, mackerel, mm-hmm. chia seeds, uh, flax seeds, walnuts, are all beneficial. And if we can have them as whole foods, then that has more benefit than taking supplements. And, you know, if your healthcare practitioner is suggesting take supplements, just, you know, take their advice. Don't go looking for any of these supplements over the counter. Uh, it really worries me when, you know, there's joint supplements and there's this supplement and it's that supplement. It may not do any benefit and it may actually cause you harm. So really do look at, you know, the food sources. You know, for some people having coffee might be all right, but for others, they may not. You know, there are some phytochemicals and antioxidants in coffee that might be beneficial. But if you're like me and you don't process caffeine that well, then you're going to get more of the inflammatory responses to coffee, which is um, one of those things. I can smell coffee. I just can't drink it. (laughs) So it really is, again, like Angela's been talking about, you know, understanding how exercise and movement affects you is looking at what's happening with food. And one of the things I suggest here is, you know, just keeping a bit of a food and pain and mood diary for Mm. a week or so and just see, you know, if there's any connections coming up with what you're eating and what your symptoms are as well but then getting enough sleep and having you know some stress management techniques as well are equally important to help Mm -hmm. with that chronic inflammation that's absolutely right Sally and as you mentioned earlier it's uh, at one point it's when you actually have been eating well and you go back to eating something that can trigger it, that's when you actually start to realize what a difference it makes to have more of a whole food diet and how your body responds so positively to it as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'll share a link to one of my blog posts uh, in this episode around the phytonutrients because that's what mm-hmm. is really going to help your immune system, help with the you know reducing that level of inflammation in the body as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Angela, thanks for sharing uh, this special podcast today looking at autoimmune diseases and auto-inflammatory arthritis. And if you have enjoyed this episode today, please feel very happy to share it on your Instagram and Facebook pages so others can benefit as well. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show, Sally Ann. My pleasure. I love getting your uh, practical tips, Angela, and I know our listeners do as well, about how to make movement part of our day and especially improve our health. We want mm-hmm. to get as much benefit from how we move, how we eat as we can. Absolutely. So it's a holistic approach to to good living, isn't it? It certainly is. <laughs> and we just throw a touch of mindfulness in there as well, just to make it extra special and personalized uh, to you as well. So once again, thanks for listening. And I look forward to sharing with you again next week. You have been listening to the Eating For You podcast with Sally Ann Pisk. If you are looking for additional support to enjoy a lifelong way of healthier eating, then join our private community for women on Facebook. I have included the link to join in this episode's notes.